Hey everybody, this is Derek McFarland. My co-host, Mean Mark, and I want to tell you all about an exciting new podcast that you may not have heard. We are the Canadian Movie Crew. You can find us at CanadianMovieCrew.com. We host podcasts for new movies coming out in theaters or on streaming. And we also have a bad movie podcast that you can check out called Or Is It, where we try to find the real story behind the story. And on that show, you might even hear a voice that you're very familiar with. So join us, CanadianMovieCrew.com, for movies from a Canadian perspective. Eh? Magazine takes you on incredible science fiction trips into the world of Star Trek, into space, video games, and into the Star Wars galaxy, into the future for previews of new movies and TV programs. Starlog Magazine shows you special effects secrets, blueprints and robots, spaceships and aliens, interviews with writers, movie makers, heroes, and villains. Starlog is the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Buy Starlog at any newsstand or subscribe now and save money. For six fantastic issues, mail $14.98 to Starlog, Box 1448, Atlanta, Georgia, 30359. That's Starlog, Box 49648, Atlanta, Georgia, 30359. Send your order this week, and we'll also include a free science fiction surprise gift. Enter the fantastic world of Starlog, a magazine of the future. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I'm your host, Scott White. And what am I looking at this time? Well, I am looking at Starlog, the Science Fiction Universe magazine, issue 164. And that's where they're talking about, they have an exclusive interview with Dan Aykroyd and about his movie, Nothing But Trouble. Dan Aykroyd gets in Nothing But Trouble, and he is prominently displayed on the cover. We also have in the corners, we have Johnny Depp as Edward Scissorhands, and we have a picture of the creature of the Black Lagoon. All this will be covered in the magazine. I was just going to cover the article on Dan Aykroyd, but I thought, you know what? It's a cool magazine. We'll talk about everything in the magazine. We won't get too in-depth because that would be too long. But just an overall review of how this magazine was put together. And we open up. We have the index about what you're going to have in this magazine. And there is a picture of the creature of the Black Lagoon drawn a la... Mad Magazine style. Very, very cool. Very, very cool opening. Then we have Letters to the Editor. Do you remember that? Letters to the Editor. Where people call in and just voice their opinions. What we what we now do just automatically on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. These people had to take pen to paper, write it down, mail it, stamp, out to the post office. So when you had a grievance back then, it took... You didn't just type it out in 160 characters or less. You had to put some time in it. Anyway, and one of the people are criticizing the third season of Beauty and the Beast, and they pointed out, and they just, they singled out at George R.R. R. Martin. So I guess he was ending TV shows poorly way before Game of Thrones. If you know what I'm talking about. Then we have a little article, not a little article, a little ad for Speed Racer, the TV series, the, the cartoon. You can get VHS tapes of Speed Racer from $9.95 to $14.95. And then we have, and then on the other side, you can get uh, these nostalgic terror VHS tapes: Night of the Living Dead, Jack the Ripper, Night Tide, The Devil's Messenger, Tormented. 
And these are $16.95 a piece, plus shipping and handling. So this magazine was a place where people could get, I guess at the time, hard-to-find VHS tapes. Or you could order your Star Trek Vulcan harp. They have an ad for that, too. And that is $350, a little bit more than your VHS tape, but an actual Star Trek Vulcan harp. $350 plus $15 shipping and handling. And to stay on the Star Trek, we are back to the VHS tapes where you can own your very own Star Trek, the next generation VHS tape for only $4.95. It's the biggest thing to happen to sci-fi ever. I love the characters. I love the aliens. I love the special effects. Captain Picard is my man. What if I told you Star Trek The Next Generation is now available on video and you could own your first two-hour episode for just $4.95? full hour, right? Not just the previews? Not just one hour, two full hours. Yours to keep for just $4.95. <laughs> Make it so. Star Trek The Next Generation on video cassette for just $4.95? Wow. That's just the, uh, the preliminary one. After that, they get bumped up to like $25.95. But you can get your first one for $4.95. The two-part series premiere. Then after that, they talk about sequels. There's an article about all the sequels coming out. And, uh, you know, The NeverEnding Story 2. And one of the big ones that they're looking at is, of course, Aliens 3. Everybody's really excited about Aliens 3 after the hit Aliens came out. And we all know, this is really, it's really weird looking back, 30-year-old eyes looking back. This is, yeah, 30 years ago. People were so, so excited about Alien 3, and that movie has been very, very divisive in the Alien movie franchise community. But they tell you about all the stuff coming out in February of 1991, Mannequin on the Move, FX2, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 6, so you get, uh, and uh, Terminator 2 is coming out in July. And Peacemaster 2. All the, the, the high-profile science fiction fantasy movies that are coming out in 1991. Now we get to the first article of the magazine, and that is the aspects of Frankenstein. Frankenstein Unbound was released in 1991, so they use that sort of as a backdrop to talk about all the Frankenstein movies. And they talk about the patriarchy of where Frankenstein started and all the offspring offspring Frankenstein had, all the way up to a Froderick Frankenstein. So yes, they include young Frankenstein in the universal fodder of Frankenstein and the Frankenstein monster. And it's a very, very, it's a very, very interesting article. And the best thing about the article is they talk about the difference between universal Frankenstein and hammer Frankenstein, where in the universal Frankenstein, you follow the monster throughout all the movies and then the, the the doctor always changes and but in the hammer frankenstein you follow peter cushing as dr frankenstein through all the movies where the monster changes so that was a very very you know an interesting comparison of the two movie franchises then after that we talk about the alien nation tv show which I hardly, hardly remember. I remember the movie more than I remember the TV show. TV show was on for like three years, and here, this article talks about how the TV show is in trouble, about being canceled, and it also talks about how there was going to be TV movies exploring the question of inbreeding between aliens and humans. 
So it's sort of like a what if article. What if the TV show went in the direction that they were originally intending it to go instead of the, uh, the way it went? I must say, I don't remember anything about the TV show. Very unremarkable in my eyes. Then we have a couple of ads for you can get back issues of Starlog. And then we have once it, and then we have okay, we have the fan network where you can join fan clubs, which once again, much harder back in the 90s. You had to you had to fill out, you had to send a check to pay your dues. What we have on Facebook, or I'm going to post this podcast in many, many different groups. You had to want to be involved in that group because you had to send out a letter. You had to send out a check. You had to pay your dues. But it was a way for fans to communicate with each other. Then we have a video log. And at last, once again, Space 1990 is coming to home video. It's a whole page article on how... This and how Space 99 is, we've finally been waiting for this and we are going to get Space 99, uh, you know, Martin Landau and Barbara Bain from Mission Impossible. They left Mission Impossible and they did this, this cult TV show for a couple of years. The fantastic futuristic space station Alpha has a near miss with a phantom planet. But the ship's good fortune turns to misfortune when it's thrown off course careening directly towards a black sun. We'll all be dead in three days. Martin Landau and the Alpha crew are headed for a crash course in discovering the universe's oldest secret in what may be their final voyage. Space 1999, Journey Through the Black Sun. And now it's on VHS, and they tell you how to order it and how to get it. Now, the next article is the one about Ape Man. They, there was a 1991 TV show for Tarzan, which lasted like five years. I looked it up. I didn't, I've never even heard of it, and it lasted for like five years. And they go through all the history of Tarzan throughout the years. And I would like to tell you what this article says, but I can't. Because for some reason, they put the background as a jungle. So it's impossible to read. You cannot read this article. Whoever made this decision in this magazine should be fired. or And they might even not be alive anymore, but they should have been fired. Because this article is impossible to read. I could not read it. So this is all I can leave you with the Tarzan. The next article is a interview with Tim Burton talking about his new movie, Edward Scissorhands. And we all know that Edward Scissorhands went on to be a classic. I think it launched a pairing of Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. Tim Burton talks about how he worked with uh, Vincent Price. And I'm really, really surprised that this was not the cover article because I believe Tim Burton was a lot more hotter than Dan Aykroyd at that time. He had Batman, he had Beetlejuice. This was on the tail of that. So he was really, really hot. And once again, looking back with eyes, he talks about how he's not sure if there is going to be a sequel to Batman, and he's not sure if there's going to be a sequel to Beetlejuice. Well, we he we did get we did get his sequel to Batman and many sequels to Batman, and we've just had hints 
of the sequel to Beetlejuice. It's just just reading it. It's very, very interesting, you know, going back to 1991 with 2021 eyes, what everybody was thinking at the time and how things were going to unfold at the time. Then we have, once again, they tell you how to get back issues of Starlog, and now we're at the Dan Aykroyd article. And they interview him, and the thing... Now, here's the thing. Nothing But Trouble was a total flop. Critics hated it. The audience hated it at the time. It's become a cult classic now. I enjoy the movie. But everybody seemed to hate this movie. And this magazine came out in March of 1991. And the movie came out in February of 1991. Which means the movie had already failed when this magazine came out. Which must have been... Because when you read the article, Dan Aykroyd just put everything he had into this project. This was his brainchild. This was him. He was not collaborating with anybody. He wasn't collaborating with John Landis. He wasn't collaborating with Harold Ramis. This was just him. His idea, what he wanted to do. And he had to make, he didn't want to direct. He had to direct because he couldn't get anybody to direct. And he says in the article, he goes, well, if I ever direct... I'll know in February if I'm ever going to direct another film again. And guess what? He has never directed another film again. What he talks about the movie, he talks about how he did the best he could. He was happy with it. So he was able to get his vision, what he wanted out in this movie. And I guess that is, that is a plus. That is a win for Dan Aykroyd. He set out to do something with this, article, uh, with this movie. And he did what he wanted to do. How it how it unfolded. I think I think people are coming around to how weird and how wonderful this movie is. But when it first came out, it was just ugh, people could not believe it. And he talks about and once again we talk. I talk about how Tim Burton was talking about how there might not be another Batman, but there was. Dan Aykroyd talks about doing a Ghostbusters three. He goes, I am open to the idea of doing a Ghostbusters three. And I'm not including the 2016, but 30 years later, we are getting a Ghostbusters 3. The sad part is, he said, I, you know, I would love to team up again with Bill and Harold. And we weren't able to get him to team up with Harold again. But from what I gather from this article, Dan Aykroyd is just pretty much a carefree fellow. He did what he wanted to do. He got the movie made that he wanted to make. And he was happy with it. He doesn't, uh, we, it's come out that there was a lot of strife with Chevy Chase on this movie. None of that is addressed in this article. Uh, I think Dan Aykroyd was trying to put like a happy face on and just present it as, okay, well, this was my movie. These were my friends. I had a good time making it. And I didn't expect it to get this much hatred. Which it did. Okay, now here's, however, where I'd like to make a critical distinction because Scenes from a Mall was merely a bad movie, a disappointment, whereas our next movie is truly horrendously awful, one of the most cheerless and unpleasant times I've ever had at the movies, and I've been going for a long time. The name of the movie is Nothing But Trouble. It was directed by Dan Aykroyd. It stars him in two roles, John Candy in two more roles, plus Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, and a group of assorted cretins and other roles. And the fact that this movie was advertised as a comedy says something about the breakdown of the English language. The movie starts with Chevy Chase as an investment counselor who's asked Demi Moore, a new neighbor in his building, to drive out to the country. And the next morning, though, he's too hungover to drive. Tell her, uh, tell her I'm, I'm too tired, I'm sick, I can't drive her. Give her the car with my compliments, will you? Sir. 
I gotta get some sleep. Give me the keys, Mike. Their trip ends in a nightmare when they're caught in a speed trap and fall into the sadistic hands of the depraved Valkenheiser family, presided over by a 106-year-old Justice of the Peace, played by Aykroyd. Chevy Chase is offered a chance to live if he will marry the judge's granddaughter, played here in drag by John Candy. You make this the bride. No, no, not in front of all these people, Your Honor. Now! Okay, now those are some of the more palatable scenes in the movie. I won't go into the mutant toad people or the bone-crushing machine or the sheer visions of hell that are summed up by other moments in the movie. I guess maybe what Aykroyd thought he was making here was a cross between Beetlejuice and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but there aren't a whole lot of laughs in this movie, and finally it just grows sullen and desperate. It also talks about, in the same year, he did a bit part in Twilight Zone, the movie, which I've also reviewed. If you want to go back to Ghostbusters 2 and Nothing But Trouble and Twilight Zone, all those are past episodes I have here on the Dan Aykroyd podcast. And now we get an article about Jeremy Bixby, one of the greatest science fiction writers he wrote uh, Fantastic Voyage. He wrote several episodes of Star Trek. He wrote, I was talking about the Twilight Zone, the movie. He wrote the original segment, what is it known as, it's A Good Life. He wrote the original segment for the Twilight Zone, the uh, television show. So he was just this very prolific writer in the 40s and 50s and 60s. And he wrote one of the most famous Star Trek episodes of all time, Mirror, Mirror. You're a man of integrity in both universes, Mr. Spock. You must return to your universe. I must have my captain back. I shall operate the transporter. You have two minutes and ten seconds. By that time, I have something to say. How long before the Hulk prediction of galactic revolt is realized? Approximately 240 years. The inevitable outcome? The Empire shall be overthrown, of course. The illogic of waste, Mr. Spock. The waste of lives, potential, resources, time. I submit to you that your empire is illogical because it cannot endure. I submit that you are illogical to be a willing part of it. You have one minute and 23 seconds. If change is inevitable, predictable, beneficial, doesn't logic demand that you be a part of it? One man cannot summon the future. But one man can change the present. Be the captain of this enterprise, Mr. Spock. Find a logical reason for sparing the Hawkins and make it stick. Push till it gives. You can defend yourself better than any man in the fleet. Captain, get in the chamber! What about it, Spock? The man must also have the power. In my cabin is a device that will make you invincible. Indeed. What will it be? Past or future? Tyranny or freedom? It's up to you. It is time. In every revolution, there's one man with a vision. Captain Kirk, I shall consider it. And he just looks back on his career, and he's he he's just the. You know, he's like, I was able to write. I, I always have this respect for writers. I'm not a good writer. I I wish I could write, but I can't. So whenever, and he just, 
enjoyed his life. He enjoyed writing. He didn't think less of himself because he was writing science fiction. A lot of people say if you write horror, if you write science fiction, it's a step down from other things. It's not. He did what he loved to do. Stepping back to the Dan Aykroyd, he was able to write what he wanted to write, such as Dan Aykroyd was able to write what he wanted to write. How it turned out, different levels of success. But the writer, Jeremy Bixby, he just talks about his career, and he just seems like he was just, he was happy with what he did. And uh, now we have The Creature Hunter, where we talk about all the men who hunted Creature from the Black Lagoon. And on the cover it says, Creature Feature, All the Heroes Who Hunted the Gillman. And I don't think you can really call these guys heroes because they went into the Gillman's home and basically dragged him out. The Gillman didn't want anything to do with these people. They caused the trouble with the Gillman. The first guy they talk about, the first guy they interview is Richard Denning, who was one of the scientists in the original Creature of the Black Lagoon. And he talks about being in that movie... His greatest, the greatest thing in life for him was marrying Evelyn Ankers. He, they met on a movie and they fell in love and they were together until, uh, you know, until her death. So he's like, of all the things that I did, the greatest thing was meeting, was meeting my wife, which is really, really sweet. And they go through all the movies that he, that he went through, all the B movies, and then we get to... Revenge of the Creature, which is the second movie in the Creature of the Black Lagoon trilogy. John Agar, he was the scientist. He was the one in that movie. And he, he, he didn't, he's not as carefree. Uh, he, you know, he's not as, uh, he's not as carefree as Denning. He felt that, you know, he, he, some of the stuff that he did, he felt was a little silly. He felt that he should have been higher on the pecking order in Hollywood. He's not ashamed of what he did, but he's just like, uh, yeah, yeah, I could see how some of it's silly. He doesn't really embrace it the way Denning does. He didn't. He doesn't embrace the 50 schlock. It, basically, he was a working actor. He did what he had to do. He was like, in Tarantula was another big movie that he was in. And then we go to Where the Creature Walked Among Us and Jeff Morrow. He is the scientist in that one. He is, uh, Jeff Morrow is more famous as being uh, the aliens, This Island Earth. He was in that one. And once, and he goes back to, he he's more like Denning and less like Agar because he was like, I just had fun doing these movies. They weren't Shakespeare, but I had fun doing it. So the great thing about this magazine, in my opinion, is you get... A lot of the present, 1991, you you get you know what's going on at that moment, but they also go back to the past, and so this is a nice combination of what was happening then and what was happening before then. Going back with once again 2021 eyes, it's just nice to see this. All these gentlemen have passed away since this magazine, so it was nice to see. It was nice to see. It was nice to read what they thought of their work and what they thought people thought of them. And uh, then we go to the final article of the magazine, and it's uh, called. It was a movie called "Late for Dinner." I had never. It was a. It was a little independent science fiction movie. I I've never heard of it. I looked it up. I. It was just about these two guys uh, from the uh, from the sixties who are falsely accused of a crime, and they get cryogenically frozen and they wake up in the 90s i'm not going to give too much away of the movie but that is a, 
And they talk about the movie, how they had all the trouble they had getting an independent movie, how they had to make it look like the 60s and then the 90s. It's just a very interesting article on how this little movie got made. And then that is it. That is the end. We Once again, we get, um, at the end, we get compact discs. and uh, We get compact, compact discs and uh, um, cassettes of Star Trek II soundtrack or the Star Trek III soundtrack. We also get uh, soundtracks of uh, <laughs> Alienation the series and Star Trek the series. This magazine is a combination of getting people together, letting people know what's going on, revisiting the past, and letting collectors collect what they collect. This it was an all-out, this was a very, I could see why this magazine was as popular as it was uh, when magazines were popular. You get a lot of information on it, and it was five bucks back in 1991, £2.95. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I doubt that you're going to go out and buy this magazine or find this magazine, but I just want to say, if just by tasting this one Starlog magazine, I could see it was a very, very well put together magazine. And looking back 30 years, it's just really... It's really satisfying, or maybe not satisfying, to see how things panned out. What people thought was going to happen, and what really happened. It was just very, very, it's very, very, very cool, very, very nice to see. And that is it, one of our shorter podcasts. But if you are a science fiction fan, and you can find any back, back issues of Starlog, pick them up. I think you will really, really enjoy how they approach science fiction and fantasy from that time and how they pay tribute to what came before. And that's it. This has been another Dan Aykroyd podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening and we'll see you back here next time. Bye. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. At last, Starlog, a serious science fiction magazine. The making of Star Wars, Close Encounters, the Superman movie. In Starlog, the astonishing magazine of science fiction and fact. Starlog is packed with color photos. Features like NASA's plan to sail to Halley's Comet. News about the space shuttle Enterprise. Isaac Asimov on flight faster than light. Star Trek, Space 1999. All your favorite movies and TV shows. Plus an inside look at Star Trek II and Buck Rogers. Articles and interviews with the top names in science fiction. New products, new books, new records, new ideas. Those crazy conventions. Everything a logical mind could want. All in Starlog, the magazine of the future. I find it fascinating. A nine-month trial subscription is yours for just $9.99. Six fantastic issues, plus a big bonus. This wall-sized poster of me, Robbie the Robot, showing all my fantastic circuits and functions. Starlog is a real blast.
This has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast.